The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hi, this is Steve. Those of you who listen to the show know that I was nervous about recording Inglorious Bastards. I mean, so many people love this film, and I was concerned that my issues with the movie wouldn't sit well with those folks. Thinking about it now, it's amazing to me that after all this time on the cinephiles, I'd kind of lost track of what being a cinephile really meant. It certainly doesn't mean that we all agree all the time, or that we can't admire a filmmaker while simultaneously bringing a critical eye to a particular film. Nothing brought that lesson home to me more forcefully than the response to part one of our Inglorious Bastards podcast. On Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, it was amazing to see all of you engage in the same questions John and I were struggling with on the podcast, which makes me even more excited to hear all of your thoughts on part two. After all, that's where Mr. Tarantino truly leaves history behind and ends World War II in his uniquely cinematic way. So, if you still haven't seen Inglorious Bastards, go behind the lines to our website, cinephiles.net, where you can buy the Blu-ray or stream the film through Amazon Prime. Then come back on Friday to hear John and I wrestle in true cinephile fashion with Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. Who wants to send a message to Germany? I have a message for Germany. That you are all going to die. And welcome back to part two of our exploration of Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. My name is Steve Morris. I'm a filmmaker and directing instructor in Los Angeles, California. Hey, everyone. My name is John Roca. I'm a voiceover artist, host, writer, and producer of numerous things here in Los Angeles, California as well. Part two. How do you say two in, in German? Eins, weins, something. Weins? So, so, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm just literally... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's something like that. I'm picturing Germans Wait, marching in some. Eins, <laughs> Weins? I have to know. Uh, how do you, I should have checked it before we start, turned on the mics. But we you try know to do a well-researched we really show. Do. We really do. But sometimes we miss things. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I'm excited. You guys had such a great response. Schwei, Schwei. Eins, Schwei, Schwei. Uh, Schwei, so you were close. There we go, Schwei. Schwei, there it is. Part Schwei of this, uh, of this uh, uh, breakdown of this film. I'm looking forward to talking about it. And Steve, part one got a great response. So. It was, it was, and I, and I was very nervous about it, as you know, because mm-hmm. I had such mixed feelings about this beloved film. And I, I think our uh, the cinephiles fans were very respectful. Yes, some people respectfully disagreed. Some people said, "Man, I feel the same way," and that's that's great. I mean, it's it's the part of the joy of this show. I think is to be able to discuss films. Yeah. You know, it's the culture we fostered, Steve. And after three years, I think you should not be worried about it anymore whether you like a film or don't like a film, because the fans are open to hearing your points of view about it. You're saying that I shouldn't stress out about <laughs> yes, things? Yes, you know. Hmm. You should be honest as you as you turn on the mic. People honest. Like yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. We're, we're, I'm gonna have to, we're gonna have to do some more work in group, That's, I think, for oh, me to okay. really get, get there. But I think, I think we can do it. So where we left off, we were just about to go back to uh, England to yeah. meet Winston Churchill. 
a senior general, strangely enough, played by Mike Myers, <laughs> and the introduction of one of our other heroes, Michael Fassbender. Yeah. Originally, they wanted Simon Pegg to play the part. Oh, thank God they went with Fassbender. No, all of these are better. Like everyone, like Adam Sandler. Yeah. You can't put Adam Sandler in in this movie and have us react any way that's going to work right. Yeah. Um, and he goes and talks to Mike Myers. Yep. Um, and what, do you remember the job of uh, Michael Fassbender's character in the civilian world? He was a film critic. Film critic. So yes. now we have a, a, German movie, film a German film critic. Yeah. So our characters are like a theater owner who uses film as a weapon <laughs> against a German movie star yeah. who is both real and a movie star. And now we have a film critic who is going to be a spy and they need him to know all sorts of things about film because he's going to go drop behind enemy lines. Yeah. He speaks fluent German. Not exactly. Mm -hmm. And he is going to, and who is he going to meet as his contact in Germany or in France? Yeah. A movie star. A movie star. So we have a theater owner who uses film as a weapon, a film critic meeting a movie star to kill another film movie star. And it's a really weird Tarantino ish circular. Yeah. Uh, what's the name of the you know the snake eating its own tail? Yeah, um, that's, that's a lot of that in here. Yeah, um, what do you think of Mike Myers in this role? Uh, I, you know, I don't mind it. Whenever that's pop, how I feel. Whenever he pops up and stuff, I'm always like, ah, oh, this is stunt casting. Like when he popped up in Bohemian Rhapsody, I'm like, eh, okay, it's fine. And I like Mike Myers to pieces. Love him. Yeah, sure. I wish he'd go back and do another Austin or do do something else. But like, so when he gets a chance to pop up and stuff, I always enjoy it. But he, it, this is him playing a caricature that he's played on SNL before. That's what's so weird. The British to me. guy, you know. Yeah, it's, on it's, all the it, Austin Powers movies. It, it, it so pops out to me. Yeah, it does. As opposed to, I had no idea who the who Churchill is. Right, the guy who's sitting there on the bench. Yeah, Churchill. which is Rod Taylor. Right. The old Rod Taylor. Yeah. Who like, you know, star of Hitchcock, the birds and yep. HG Wells time machine. Yep. And he had pretty much retired and Tarantino called him and said, I want you to play this part. He's like, why? <laughs> why would you want like, go get Albert Finney. He's played Churchill a million times. And Tarantino said, look, if you won't do it, then I'll call Albert Finney next. <laughs> and he went, no, I'll do it. I'll, I'll get paid. Um, he does a good Churchill. He does. He does. Um, and the other thing that he says is that you're going to hook up with the bastards. Yeah. They're the guys that are going to help you out to do this whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, and Fassbender is a proper English accented yeah. part in this as well. He's, yeah. He's, and he's, this is, it was a film critic. Yeah. This is the beginning for him. I mean, yeah, this, yeah, is, yeah. this is where right. people start. This and 300 are the two yeah. films that kind of let you know that this guy's coming. Yeah. Um, and he's a great actor. Yes, he is. Yeah. I just wish he'd be, choose better material. That's uh <laughs> true. Uh, and now we're in the village of Nadine, which is where we're going to have the rendezvous with mm -hmm. Bridget von Hammerschmidt, the yep. the German movie star. Um, and we're talking to Brad Pitt about the rendezvous, and he's like, "You didn't say the goddamn rendezvous is in a fucking basement." I didn't know. You said it was in a tavern. It is a tavern. Yeah, in a basement. You know, fighting in a basement offers a lot of difficulties. Number one being you're fighting in a basement. <laughs> And they worry, like, can she? Can we trust this person? Is yeah. are there going to be uh, other Germans there? And at this point, as Fassbender's trying to calm him down, saying, "Don't worry, this is all going to go fine," mm -hmm. he gets really aware of Hugo Stiglitz, who is just sharpening that knife. Mm -hmm. Great name, by the way, the actor Till Til Schweiger. Yeah, that's like one of the best German names I've ever heard. By the way, interesting thing about him, he um, uh, refused. He never played a Nazi before. Always refused to play a Nazi because. 
he hates Nazis. Yeah. And he never wanted to be, and so many German actors, they get called yeah. upon to do this all the time. Mm -hmm. And the reason he took this was because what it was really doing was killing Nazis. Killing Nazis. So he was okay with that. Or Nazis. Or yeah. Nazis. <laughs> this I will do. Stiglitz, right? That's right, sir. I hear you're pretty good with that. You know, we're not looking for trouble right now. Simply making contact with our agent should be uneventful. However, the off chance I'm wrong, things prove eventful. I need to know we can all remain calm. And I love the look from him. He looks up at him and says, do I look calm to you? <laughs> and and Fassbender looks at him and he goes like, well, now that you put it like that, I guess you do. And he goes back to sharpening that knife. And, and then, and then uh, turns to Brad Pitt and says, he's not the loquacious type. Is that the kind of man you need? Loquacious type? Fair point. And again, we go back to this idea of, are we going to get in trouble? Are there going to be Germans there? Um, and who chose this death trap of a rendezvous? And the answer is, she did. Yeah. Let's go to the tavern. Ich bin männlich. Ich bin eine literarische Figur. Ich bin aus Amerika. There's a card. There's that card game going on. Go to this 37-minute scene. Yes. It is so long. It is too long. It's too long. Yeah. I bet if I cared, which I don't, <laughs> but I bet I could cut this down to a 20-minute scene easily. Oh, yeah. And you wouldn't miss much. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just so many things. And it's not, and this is the hard thing is it's not that it isn't all good. It's yeah. well shot. It's well acted. Yep. It's all good. It's just, uh, to me, there's a. It's a movie within itself. Yeah. I mean, it's a really 37 minute scene. Mm -hmm. You know, that is just gigantic. Yeah. Um, there. So the Germans are playing this card game and we meet Diane Kruger, who is Bridget von Hammerschmidt. Mm -hmm. And they're playing the, you know, you have the card stuck to your forehead, so you don't know who it is, and you're asking questions to guess who it is. Yeah. And uh, what we find out is that these guys are drinking because Wilhelm, the sergeant, has just had a new baby four yeah. hours ago. Yep. He was born, and they're all celebrating, and everyone's toasting to them. And uh, Diane Kruger is so charming in this scene. Yeah, I, you know, here's the deal with Diane Kruger. For me, for me, uh, I think she's never better than when she's doing stuff in her natural German. Mm, I think sure. in other things you can see, like with Penelope Cruz, same thing. Like I think Penelope is best when she's acting in Spanish. It's just their natural approach to things. You know what I'm saying? And she's incredible in this movie. Uh, uh, Kruger is mm -hmm. in all the scenes. Yeah, and it's fun to watch her in this movie. Um, and so in the middle of this game, there's some footsteps that come down the spiral mm -hmm. staircase, and we see three officers come in. And of course, this is Fassbender and Stiglitz, and I forget who the third guy is. Yeah, and uh, they jump up because these are officers, and everyone salutes. Mm -hmm. Von Hammerschmidt says to the bartender, "Oh, these are the three guys I've been waiting for," and we order some whiskeys. And she very kindly thanks the guys for the the fun game. And then Fassbender's first thing is, I thought this place was more French than German. And then she explains, oh, about the baby and all that stuff. Mm. And his first reaction is, let's leave. And she goes, no, it would look strange. So they decide to stay. And then we have this whole, and this is where I go, you could cut this down. Yeah, There's a whole thing about the trying to get the bartender to get the waitress to come join the game. And yeah. she's going to join the game. And who's going to translate and all this stuff. It's like, wow. I don't care. Let's, <laughs> it's a 37-minute scene. Yeah. Like, let's move this along. And so then the, the game starts over there. And now we hear whispering between our people that there are two new developments. 
This is what the actress is saying. The first new development is one that we already knew, which is that they're changing the venue and it's going to be in this little theater. Right. And the second new development is that Hitler's going to be there. Mm -hmm. And that is obviously a big, big deal. And just as they're about to talk about that, who walks over but drunk Wilhelm, Wilhelm to talk to them about his kid named Maximilian. Mm -hmm. And he asks for an autograph and she kisses a handkerchief and signs it and hands it off to him. And he is so grateful. And, you know, they talk about her movies. And this is so, again, the tension is raising because mm -hmm. it's so stressful. And this is like, make this drunk guy go away. Yeah. And then they get rid of him and then he comes back. Um, and this is when Fassbender just kind of rips into him. It's mm -hmm. so like, what? You, this is boorish behavior. We are officers. You're enlisted men. What are you right. doing? And tries to get him away. And the guy says, oh, I'm sorry. Gee, your accent is unusual. Yeah. Where are you from? Um, and then they just lay into him and yeah. they call that, you know, like, what are you doing? You questioning an officer? Yeah. You're being insulting. And they call over his friends, like, take care of your drunk friend. And the friends get up to kind of take care of the guy. <laughs> um, and we've all had to take care of our drunk sure, friend at one sure. point or another. Um, and then just when we get rid of him, we see there's a German Gestapo officer reading in the corner with a big beer stein. Mm -hmm. And he says, might I inquire? Dürfte ich mich vielleicht erkundigen? And he closes his book and gets up and comes out from behind the wall and he stops a record which has been spinning for this whole time. Mm -hmm. um, and he says, like our young newly Christian fa christened father, I have an ear for an accent and he finds yours odd. Where are you from? And this is the guy who had gotten what's her face to the theater, and the guy who had oh, been it is sitting the same at the guy. table. Same guy. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. What's yeah, he doing here? How did he just just a coincidence? Just having a beer or reading in this small village outside in Nadine. Of yeah. Just wow, it's very unlucky. Yes. Um, it's going to get more unlucky. And now we get he has to give a whole story, and the story he gives is that um. He lives in this mountain town and everyone there talks that way. And mm -hmm. he's actually, and kind of asked, well, how did you know this actress? And he goes, oh, well, I'm in the movie industry because I was in the skiing film. Uh, and I don't know if you know about this. Have you seen the, there's like a documentary about Lenny Riffenstahl? No. It's like the strange and horrible life of, it's a good documentary. Okay. And that she was a famous actress and she did the skiing movie. And so the, what he's talking about here of being one of the rock climbers in the skiing movie, that's really a real <laughs> movie that they're talking about. Interesting. Because Lenny Riffenstahl was a big movie star. Mm -hmm. um, and he says, oh, and, the, and they make jokes and they actually play it off very well. I yeah, think. they do. They play it off really, really well. They convince him? Uh-huh. Well, do they To a degree. To, to a, a degree. degree. Yeah. And they laugh. And then they ask, he asks if he can join them and they say yes. And I love when he gets down, he slaps Stiglitz in the chest. Yeah. Um, or on the shoulder and he takes a seat and there is a great, great look from Stiglitz. Mm -hmm. Just like, very, very scary look. Um, and then the next thing he asks is, what are you doing here? And he goes, oh, well, we're here to see our friend. It's like, no, what are you doing here in France? Yeah. And like, well, do you know everyone, every German soldier in France? He goes, I know all the important ones. And then another joke about, oh, well, I guess I'm not important. Right. Um, and finally, they just say that we're here to go to escort her to the premiere. Mm -hmm. And he, he uh, the Gestapo officer lights her cigarette for her, and it's all very smooth. And again, we're stretching out the tension to me beyond the level of where I would like it to be stretched. Now the major's talking about, boy, this seems like they're having a lot of fun over at the game. If only we could play a game like that. Of course, we can't join them right. because we're officers and they're enlisted men. Oh, maybe we could play just one round of the game. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, my God, this is, it's brutal. It's 
I don't just mean that it's long. I mean, it's a very stressful scene. <laughs> yes, it is um, very stressful. And they, you know, we go through the whole setup of the game and Stiglitz isn't really doing it. He's like, come on, you got to write on a card. And the camera pushes in on Stiglitz and the music hits and we cut to him being whipped. Is it that guy whipping him? I think so. Because it happens really fast. I think that's why he has that anger. Yeah. Either that or this is what he sees every time yeah, he that's, sees a Nazi officer. He does not like Nazis. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then and then the major slaps him in the chest, bringing him back out of his little flashback. And they all write their names. And the major gets King Kong, and he's going first. And he is a very good guesser. Yes, he is. He asks very, very perceptive questions, including, you know, and he goes through... You know, am I from somewhere exotic? Am I from the desert or the jungle? I was yeah. the jungle. Am I from, you know, did I travel by boat? Yes. Did I travel in chains? And then there's this moment where he says, oh, well, you could be talking about the experience of the American Negro. Right. But it's probably King Kong. <laughs> and they all congratulate himself and they all drink. Um, and then Fassbender does this move. I don't mean to be rude, but the four of us are very good friends. Seems like a bad move. Yeah, Fassbender makes a lot of mistakes in this scene. Yeah. Which, isn't it interesting that the critic throughout this whole thing is trying to speed along and cut and... Yep, <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> How did the film critic end up being a spy? It's so weird. But I just love that here you are complaining through the whole this episode how you can cut it and cut it, cut it. Yeah. Here is Fassbender who it's plays the fair critic point. who is trying to constantly move this along because yep. he take, he tries to stop Wilhelm from interrupting. Yep. Then he's trying to move this German officer out of the way so they can have their conversation. So he's the one that's trying to cut all the time. Yeah. Um, and I and, think it's great. And he just goes, we haven't seen each other while. Major, I'm afraid you are intruding. Yeah. And the major response is, I beg to differ, Captain. I'm only intruding if the Fraulein says I'm intruding. Am I? And she says, no. Right. Um, he has to maintain appearances. And then there's, again, a, a long pause and then he bursts out laughing and, he, and and slaps Fassbender on the cheek and says, "No, no, no! Of course I'm intruding. You're right. Let's just let's just have one more drink and then we'll say goodbye." Yeah. And he says that he knows this bartender has this great bottle of 33 year old whiskey from the Scotch Highlands, and only three of them are going to have them. And so Fassbender holds up three fingers and says, three whiskeys." The American three. The yeah. The, the what do you call it? Index, middle, and ring finger. Yes. Three rather than thumb index and middle finger three yes and the shot is the three fingers in the foreground with the major looking at him in the background mm -hmm. and a great great uh expression yeah and there we see that game continues to go on in the background and there's lots of tension as the drinks are poured and brought over and we raise our glass to the thousand year reich and they all toast stiglitz drinks the whiskey and then finally the major says I must say, I grow weary of these monkey shines. And he cocks his gun under the table, Han Solo style, yeah, and says, did you hear that? It's my Walther aimed at your testicles. And then he says, you gave yourself away, Captain. You're no more German than the Scotch. And of course, what ends up happening is that Fassbender has his gun underneath the table pointing at the other guy's testicles. Yep. Bridget von Hammersmith starts to say something, and he says, shut up, slut. Yeah, uh, we got both of these guns pointed at each other, and then Stiglitz pulls his gun and points it down at the guy's crotch, because mm -hmm. we go from that makes two of us to that makes three of us. Right. Um, and he even says, "At this range, I'm a real Frederick Zeller." <laughs> so apparently, everyone knows about this guy. Yes, and I love that Stiglitz still has the card on his head. Yeah, um, I think it's a great, great touch. 
And now it says Marco Polo. What's going to happen? Here? Yeah, it's Marco Polo. Yeah. Interesting. What's going to happen here? We're in, you know, a standoff yeah. at yeah. this moment. A German standoff. And they basically go, look, whatever's going to happen, I think, you know, Sergeant Wilhelm and all of his friends, this is not going to be a good night for them, right. essentially. And finally, um, we might make that kid fatherless. Yeah. And Fassbender nods, and then he switches to English. Well, if this is it, old boy, I hope you don't mind if I go out speaking to kings. By all means, Captain. There's a special rung in hell reserved for people who waste good scotch. Seeing as I may be rapping on the door momentarily. He drinks his down. He says, I must say, good stuff. Now, about this pickle we find ourselves in. It would appear there's only one thing left for you to do. And what would that be? Stiglitz. See how feed us into your Nazi boss. And they all open fire. Yep. And everyone gets wiped out really, really fast. Mm -hmm. And then one person stands up still alive, and that is Sergeant Wilhelm, our yeah. new father. Well, here's the critical thing. Uh, yes. Bridget has been shot in the foot. Yes. Um, and Wilhelm, of all people, stands up with the damn machine gun and right. like ices the poor waitress, the oh, yeah. owner of the place. Oh, does he do that? Yeah, it's oh. him with the machine gun all over the place. Because yeah. as a young kid would, a young drunk kid would, shoots his load all over the place yeah. without any uh, you know, uh, understanding of what he's doing. And we hear a voice coming from outside. You outside? Who are you? British? American? We're American. What are you? I'm a German, you idiot. Big gang is pretty good for a German. I agree. And it's a weird thing because we were, this is what's so, it's funny. We, we talked about Psycho uh, a month mm. or so ago where you're totally invested in this character. Yeah. And then halfway through this movie, the character dies. Yep. This scene's a lot like this. Is like we've met Fassbender and Stiglitz, and mm. you know it's like there's all this stuff set up, and we spend 37 minutes in the scene right. for them to be then wiped out. Yeah, you know. Um, but now we hear Brad Pitt's voice, who's want, trying to negotiate with Sergeant Wilhelm. Okay, Wilhelm, here's my deal. You let me and one of my men come down there and take the girl away. No guns, no guns, me, no guns, you. And we take the girl and leave. It's that simple, Willie. You go your way, we go ours. And little Max gets to grow up playing catch with his daddy. So what do you say, Willie? We got us a deal? Wilhelm agrees. Brad Pitt starts to come down and looks and sees, uh, you didn't put your gun down yet. Yeah. And finally, he talks him into very slowly that you can trust me, put your gun down. The guy puts his gun down, and then what happens? He says, take this traitor out of here. Uh, referring to her. Bridget, yeah, and says like you know I don't want to see her. He says something derogatory about her, uh, and just when you th and then looks up and just when you think it's all going to go down, he gets yep. shot by Bridget. By Bridget. Had a, yeah, it was a little gun and uh, shoots him. Here's my question. Yeah, would Aldo have let him live? No, I don't think so either. No, no, I think he was going to kill him regardless. Right. Which, Maybe, by the way, or let him live and cut the thing inside his head. I don't think so. I think you kill him. I, and I, yeah, and this he's is witness the. This is where right. this is where I I agree. He does have to get killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a plot to kill, assassinate the the Führer. Yeah, 
Like you can't, as much as this seems like a perfectly nice guy with Mm -hmm. a new kid, no, you have to kill him. My problem with this is we're going to go out of this into the next scenes, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Well, we'll go, we'll we'll get it when it pops up, when it pops up and it'll pop up soon. All right. Uh, We're at like a a vet's place and they're, (laughs) they're, they're doing some surgery on Bridget to get that bullet out and uh, Brad stops him. Yeah. Because he's got three men dead and he wants to know what the fuck happened. Why'd you invite my men to a rendezvous in a basement with a bunch of Nazis? I can see, since you didn't see what happened inside, that the Nazis being there must look odd. Yeah, we got word for that kind of odd in English. It's called suspicious. And so what does he do? He takes his finger and he sticks it in the bullet wound. Mm-hmm. Um, Great job by Kruger here, too, acting it. Yeah. It's so believable. Really, really good. That Literally, my next note is good pain acting. <laughs> yeah. You're letting your imagination get the better of you. And this is the thing is, did she set up this trap? How did this happen? Yeah. How did this start? Um, and she goes through all everything about what happened. And then we go to what the plan was, which is that she is a member of the German film industry, was going to bring them in as her people. Yeah. And, and she tells them as well about the venue change and that Hitler is going to be there. And as soon as this comes out, it's like, well, we're going to have to figure out how to do it. Yeah. She has the invites. There's, by the way, a totally useless cut, I think, to Hitler saying, hey, I'm thinking about going to this premiere. <laughs> I think it's totally unnecessary. We know that he's going to the premiere. It's not important. Um, and But the reaction to Hitler's going to be there is like, this is worth risking everything to go yeah. do. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and we come up with this idea of maybe we can pose as Italians. Yeah. That sounds good. Sounds like shit. What else are we going to do? Go home? No. That sounds good. If you don't blow it, with that I can get you in the building. Who does what? Well, I speak the most Italian, so I'll be your escort. Donovan speaks second most, so he'll be your Italian cameraman. Omar third most, so he'll be Donnie's assistant. I don't speak Italian. Like I said, third best. Just keep your fucking mouth shut. Why don't you start practicing right now? <laughs> and the other thing is they figure out like we're going to just put a big cast on your leg and yeah. pump you up with morphine and that's how you're going to get into this premiere and you're going to say that you heard it mountain climbing heard it mountain climbing right because apparently germans like mountain climbing yeah. um this is a stereotype and a half and now we're back to to londa and he is in the basement where the whole gunfight happened and he's walking around and what does he find there this is my problem okay. this is where tarantino i think cheats a little bit hmm. there is no way people in charge of a <clears throat> situation like this would not take all the clues out of there. Her shoe, the handkerchief, anything that would be involved in this operation would be wiped clean of that place. Uh, there's no way to just leave that shit lying around. Oh, you mean Brad Pitt? Yeah, Brad Pitt, His crew, they would have wiped it clean, not cleaned everything up. Well, they think, don't have very much no time. Clues, no clues, though. And her shoe. And, and the handkerchief. Yeah, handkerchief. That's all, you know, I just, to me, that's what bothered me about it. I was like, okay. He's cheating a little bit here by allowing this so that it leads to what happens with Londa and her, but he didn't have to do that. So anyway, all right. Yeah, it's well, I mean, like the fact that this, I mean, movies are filled with coincidence anyway. Yeah. But the fact that it, it, it does seem a little bit easy. He's so anal. Yeah. Uh, Aldo is, Ray is, mm. he's so, it would be surprised that he wouldn't look through everything to make sure there's no clues left behind. Chapter five, <laughs> Revenge of the Giant Face. Mm-hmm. 
great, great shot of Shoshana at this circular window. It's the night of the premiere. Um, beautiful red dress. Beautiful, beautiful red dress. Um, wonderful music song playing, which I don't actually have what it is. And then we do these dissolves where you dissolve in closer and closer and closer. We see that Nazi flag in the foreground. Um, and, and then an extreme closes of her eyes. And then we see her painting her eyebrows, paints the lines on her face, the eyelashes, the lipstick. And it's just really spending a lot of time for her. Mm -hmm basically preparing to die yeah you know that's what it really is possibly yeah Yeah. And we cut back to before and we see uh marcel is shooting her uh and we talk about that we have to give this message in english and there's a question of how are we going to get it developed and it ends up we're gonna have to force someone to develop mm -hmm. it which they do and then we cut to them cutting together the film which mm -hmm. of course is something that i did yeah <laughs> um you know which actually cutting old film with a razor blade and then they're doing the gluing each new cut together yeah um and she could go back to her in the red dress and she puts a black hat on. I, I really do think she knows she's going to die. Okay. Yeah, that's how I that's how I feel about how this is all being set up. There's a beautiful kind of spinning top-down shot as she walks out. It follows her over the wall, down through the stairs, onto the balcony, looking at the crowded mm -hmm. premiere in her movie theater. Mm -hmm. And more and more Germans are coming in. And we see uh, Herman Goering walk in, and there's sort of a handwritten mm -hmm. chiron that says what's going on. And we see Frederick, and we see Goebbels. Um, and they're talking about, you know, film stuff. Um, and then Emmanuel comes downstairs sees frederick and there's some you know this is the greatest actor in the world and hand kissing and all mm. the things that you would see at a movie premiere yeah and then who comes in and then we see the back of someone in a white tuxedo yeah um and we see londa yeah and who does he walk up to but fraulein von hammerstock mm -hmm. he is very excited to see her and the camera is down on that cast on her leg, which I love that she has a high heel cast. Yeah. It's kind of a good good choice. <laughs> um, and he asks her about the leg. And she says, oh, I broke it mountain climbing. Oh, really? And then the most insane laugh. <laughs> because... He knows she's lying. Of course. And he is like just laughing at the stupidity of the weak ass excuse that she's come up with to explain her cast. Well, I think I think it's something else too. It's I think he is laughing in the same way that he is laying out the 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 paper and the fountain pen. Oh the yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he wants her to know. Yeah. He's extending time. He's yep. playing with his she knows that he knows that she's lying, or she or she can suspect that. She suspects it because they're yeah. all just staring at. Yeah, her. yeah. Um, and because of course it's like, well, that cast is fresh. Yeah. Where? What mountain in Paris were you climbing? <laughs> um, and then we get to introducing Brad Pitt. Yeah. Um, and his Italian. Buongiorno. So, <laughs> apparently, like this was written in the script, but. It wasn't until the table read that they heard just how horrible Brad Pitt's Italian was going to be. <laughs> and it became just this much bigger joke with yeah. the way he was going to play it. Because it is ridiculous. Yeah. And of course, Londa speaks fluent Italian. Signore, è un piacere. Gli amici della vedetta ammirata da tutti noi, questa gemma propria della nostra cultura, saranno naturalmente accolti sotto la mia protezione per la durata del loro soggiorno. And I love that while, while Brad Pitt is just sort of staring at him going... Uh, Grazie, you know, or whatever Grant. one word one word he can say, um, and Londa is saying, "Is my pronunciation correct?" Uh, see, si, uh, correcto, correcto, 
Correcto. <laughs> it's such a funny scene. And he has them repeat their names. Yeah. That's, once again, dragging this thing yeah. out. Just knows he's in charge of the situation. Well, again. Ridicules them. This is my thing. When did Londa decide to, to double-cross the German high command? Maybe when he finally saw, when he saw Pitt. Because maybe he knew that that was Alderay. And so maybe in that moment, he starts to think about what he's going to do. I think he's, I think he's figured out he was going to do it at some point. Well, because what I wonder is, if you see the moment you see them come in, you should have them arrested. I mean, right. there's all these right. people here. I mean, like, there's no, the fact that he lets this drag out. Yeah. Like, I kind of go, and it is, this is 1944. You know, mm-hmm. the Germans are not doing mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's been looking for an out. Exactly. For a while. Yeah. And it's kind of going, oh, this could be my, yeah. this could be my move. Yep. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And we go into the theater, and um, there's great electric guitar cue. Tarantino has a great way of using music that's not contemporary and making it just totally, totally work. And we go up to the projection room, and Marcel's got some some film reels, and and she sees him. She kind of poses with her her beautiful dress and her purse, and she spins for him, and and then they look through the projection room at all the people in the cinema, basically all the people they're going to kill. Yeah, and they go over it one more time. They this is this is real one, real two, real three, and then we get to there's this big battle scene, and then we're going to cut in that reel. Yeah, we don't exactly know what that means yet. Um, but we know it's after the sniper battle on the third reel. We go inside the theater and we have the bastards who have been seated in the theater for their rows with their tickets, which Londa looked at their seat numbers and knew where they are. Yeah. And the camera's on them. And then the camera goes down. And then we have this weird x-ray vision moment where we see the dynamite strapped to their legs. Yeah. And then back in the lobby, Londa asked for a word in private with uh, Diane Kruger. Mm-hmm. So they go away. They go into an office. He asks her to have a seat, he hands her some champagne, puts his coat on a chair. Again, he's extending out time as we've seen him do every single time. He sits down across from her and asks to see her foot. Yeah. So she knows she's done, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, She tries to kind of play it off. He's like, you know, please, let me see your foot. Long pause. She puts her injured foot on his knee. Mm -hmm. or I'm sorry. She puts the uninjured foot on his knee. He moves up her skirt. He unclasps the shoe and takes it off. And then he tells her, reach into my right pocket of my coat and tell me what you find there. She does so. And there's a great reaction as she puts mm-hmm. her hands around it. Um, and we're in these Dutch angles now, which means the camera angle is tilted, yeah. which gives you a real sense of tension. And she pulls out the shoe and he puts it on her foot. And there's just a great close-up insert as he slips it over her foot. And it's weird. You think that inserts can't be dramatic or mm. tension-filled socks shots. But if you think of the strudel insert, yeah. like the, this shoe, the way he clasps the shoe, all these little details actually create a lot of uh, tension. And when the shoe fits perfectly, he says, Voila. What's that American expression? If the shoe fits, you must wear it. <laughs> and she says, what now? 
and he leaps across yeah. and grabs her by the throat and throws her on the ground and starts choking her. Yeah. So do you know the thing about this moment? No. That's Quentin Tarantino choking. choking. Yeah, oh, that's right. That's right. Quentin, you have you you strangled Diane Kruger, didn't you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> how, but how badly did you strangle her? Well, it was interesting because the thing is, uh... he said, "Well, I wanted to do it because the way choking looks in movies always looks fake." Whenever you do uh, uh, a close-up of somebody being strangled in a film, yeah, I, I never, I never buy it. All right, you know, because when somebody's actually being strangled, there is a, a thing that happens to their face and the, uh, you know, the way they're, the, they, they turn a certain color and their veins pop out how, and stuff. How do you know this, by the way? <laughs> Anytime, well, yeah, it's... I, I, I guess I don't know that for sure, all right, uh, but I can imagine. And so I talked to Diane, and I was saying, look, here's what I would like to do if you're okay with it, all right? Because I just don't want... I don't want any phony baloney bullshit here. Um, let me, I'm, I'm going to do it. I, I want to do it because I, you know, because if, you know, uh, it, it's on me. If it's like, if, if, uh, um, uh, I only want to do this once. I don't need it. I don't need, I don't need, I don't, I don't need I don't want you breathing after this and have to come back yeah, yeah, and kill yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a lot of thoughts about this. Yeah. Um, I think it's really fucked up. I do too. And on the heels of everything that happened that we found Uma out about and- Uma and Kill Bill. Like, he seems to keep getting away with this, and it's starting to, for me, it's starting to become ridiculous. Yeah. There is no way he has these connections to Weinstein. There's no way that he has these issues with Uma. There's no way that he has, does stuff like this. Yes, you can say, oh, well, look, look at Jackie Brown. Sure, great. But there are other female actresses or characters that he, like, carries out his feelings on that's a bit uncomfortable. And remember... Let's get real here. This guy worked as a video store clerk. He was a nerdy guy. Who knows what his actual viewpoint on women are? He's an unmarried guy. Who knows what he's done here in this town? Turned a blind eye to what Weinstein was doing for quite some time. I'm sure he knew. Think of that bullshit. We all know about our friends who do shit like that. Well, if you and And I knew a lot about Weinstein before right and i've never met the man right never hung out with the man no there's no way he didn't know those rumors rumors existed for a long time for a long time and so that kind of stuff so you throw in this situation and i really was very uncomfortable watching this a because it's such a weird character choice for landa to do it himself that what i that's the number one thing for me that stood out it doesn't make sense to what he's done before he had the soldiers kill the jewish girls he he does not get his hands dirty he's not a get my hands dirty type guy so for him to write it in the script that he lunges at the woman and chokes her out, what are you working at? Yes, he's a villain, quote unquote, but you've made him a charming villain. You've made him an interesting villain. So when he's talking about the Jewish people at the beginning with the rat stuff, when he's talking about Marcel and the American Negro or what the Negro rather at the uh, uh, at the uh, dinner there having the strudel, and then now when he's doing what he's doing to her, you're basically making it interesting and charming that this man has these points of views uh, and that I really don't like. And the fact that he, in a basic way, it's his hands choking out Diane Kruger and she looks like she's legitimately being choked I think out. he's it's really scary. choking her. It's scary. So, here, so I agree with everything you said and I have a whole other set of objections mm-hmm. to it as well, 
which is that it is abusive and not safe to the person on the set. Yeah. You know, it's like, so I've done lots of martial arts, as you know, and there are lots of joint locks I practice that are painful. And after 20 plus years of doing martial arts, I can feel how hard I'm putting that joint lock on someone mm. and, and control to some degree how much pain I'm going to cause them. Right. You know, Quentin Tarantino how much you can choke someone from the front before genuinely hurting them. It doesn't take long to, to knock someone out. Yeah. You know, it's a very short amount of time and that I don't want to hurt somebody. If I'm putting the joint lock on them, right. I'm demonstrating to them. This is what it is. And at the moment that they're uncomfortable, I'm going to pull it off, you know, because that's not, because I have no desire to be cruel to someone. Right. Quentin Tarantino says the reason that I wanted to do it is that chokes always look fake, which what he's saying is that I want her to look like she's really choked for the good of my film, which means the main thing that's driving him is making her look really choked, which yeah. means he's really choking her. Right. That bias of I want this shot to look good blinds him to the total cruelty and scariness of what he's doing right like it is it is no one should no one should, no producer should have allowed that to happen mm -hmm. stunt coordinator who was on the set shouldn't have allowed that to happen yeah like no stunt coordinator goes like i'm gonna choke you for real yeah. in the movie that's not how you do it you know like that's just not safe and it's really scary and i think and I, diane kruger has not said a lot about it she said it was scary yeah, but she hasn't really because again he is a super powerful person. Yep, and this is the other thing is this is where it's like, okay, you're an actress. It's not that Diane Kruger is an unknown actress, right, right, right. But it's like this is a big deal her acting in a Quentin Tarantino movie, mm -hmm. and this big powerful director says to you, "Hey, I want to choke you." Yeah, what are you gonna say? Yeah. You know, it's just really offensive to me. I agree. It's um, irresponsible filmmaking. Totally irresponsible. This deep into your oeuvre, you should not be making these kinds of mistakes. Yeah. It's a power move. And who gives a fuck if it looks real or doesn't? No one's going to fucking... It's not like I watch a Tarantino film to see realistic violence. The All the whole point of all his movies is ridiculous violence. Yeah. Over-the-top violence. All of a sudden, you got to get the choke right? It just seems like a weird hill to die on. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's just the idea of... I'm going to put my hands around a woman's neck right. and squeeze. Not even, yeah, yeah. That's fucked up. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, well, again, and this relates to like, I, it relates to the whole movie to me. Like, yeah. what do you want me to feel here? What yeah. are you trying to do? And don't hide behind the fact that he's the villain and he would do these kinds of things. That's bullshit. Well, it's bullshit. Certainly you can have a villain who would do so, those kinds of sure. things, but that has nothing to do with um, injuring your actress. Hans Gruber never did any of this shit. He still considered them almost the number one villain in, in any film. So please. I mean, there are there are certainly violent things that villains have done that mm -hmm. we've seen in movies. I don't have a problem with a character choking a character. It's incongruent yeah. with this character. Yeah. But let's be very clear. She's dead. Yes, yeah, she is. And then he gets on the phone and says, no, no, the guy in the white smoking jacket. And cut to Aldo being tackled and thrown <laughs> to the ground. And we have inserts of dynamite being found and weapons. Bag goes over the head. He gets dragged away. Londa gets the dynamite and sees the little timer on it and says, clever. Yeah. In the theater, Londa leans in and whispers that uh, the audience have taken their seats and he should arrive any minute. Mm -hmm. So he is not stopping Hitler no. or doing anything about the guy, two guys that are sitting in the audience as far as we know. Yep. And he said, Hitler, go on in. Um, we're outside and Londa walks up to Aldo, who's got the hood on. And he says, As Stanley said to Livingston, Lieutenant Aldo Rain, I presume? Hans Lander. And I love there's this moment where 
he kind of reaches to touch him and sort of goes, makes you, made you flinch. And what does uh, Aldo Rain do? Hits him in the head with his head. Head Headbutt, a big headbutt. Yeah. Um, And they throw him in the back of the truck and we kind of have the POV from the truck as it drives away. And the other guy in there, who I think is Udovich, yeah. uh, is wondering what happened to Donnie and Omar. Yeah, it's BJ Novak who's in there. BJ Novak. Who, by the way, my wife wouldn't let me uh, do this episode without saying that one of uh, our favorite children's book that we read to Jax mm-hmm. is written by BJ Novak. Oh, wow. It's called The Book With No Pictures. Huh. And it is a very, very funny kid's book. Cool. Um, no money going to the cinephiles for any purchases <laughs> you make. Uh, maybe I'll put one on the website. Anyway, there you go. Um, and now we're kind of in an interrogation room, and we bring in Aldo and, and uh, Udovich, take their hoods off. Tell me, Aldo, if I were sitting where you're sitting, would you show me mercy? Nope. What is that English expression about shoes and feet? Looks like the shoes on the other foot. Yeah, just thinking that. And Lana sends the guards away, and his behavior already is very strange. Yeah. Toyora Aldo the Apache. So you're the Jew hunter. I'm a detective. A damn good detective. Finding people is my specialty, so naturally I worked for the Nazis finding people. And yes, some of them were Jews, but Jew hunter? Just a name that stuck. And then we, if we find out that uh, Udovich's name is the little man, <laughs> which he didn't really know. And no. he's not very pleased with that name. <laughs> and of course, he wants to know where his men are and, and where Bridget is. And well, Bridget got what she deserved, but your men are still sitting there in the theater. And I love this moment, too. He knows their names. He says, yeah. Donovitz and Omar. And he goes, how do you know our names? He says, if you don't think I wouldn't interrogate every single one of your swastika-marked survivors, we simply aren't operating on the level of mutual respect, I assume. No, I guess not. <laughs> He's a little hurt. Yep. But Omar and Donnie are still sitting in the theater. They still got the explosive around their ankle, still ready to explode. Some would call it a terrorist plot, but the mission is still a go. However, all I have to do is pick up this phone right here, inform the cinema, and your plan's kaput. And Aldo's like, look, if they're there and they're still alive, you're never going to get them out without them blowing up that dynamite. Yeah. But if I don't pick up this phone right here, you may very well get all four. And if you get all four, you end the war. And at this moment, Aldo's kind of going, wait, what's what's happening here yeah. exactly? I think this is a great twist in the movie. Mm-hmm. I think this is a great moment. I agree. Um, so Londa opens up a bottle of wine, starts pouring some glasses, and says, so, gentlemen, let's discuss the prospect of ending the war tonight. So the way I see it, since Hitler's death of possible rescue rests solely on my reaction, if I do nothing... It's as if I'm causing his death even more than yourselves. Wouldn't you agree? I guess so. How about you, you bitch? I guess so, too. And then he serves them the glasses, even though their hands are tied behind the back. Yeah. Gentlemen, I have no intention of killing Hitler and killing Goebbels and killing Goering and killing Bormann, not to mention winning the war single-handedly for the Allies, only later to find myself standing before a Jewish tribunal. If you want to win the war, Tonight, we have to make a deal. Aldo's going, what kind of deal? And he goes, well, I don't think you have the authority to do this, but 
I got a radio over there. I got a great radio operator. Yeah. And you probably have a commanding officer or a general or someone maybe at the OSS, and they can make a deal with me. And I love he goes, ooh, that's a bingo. <laughs> Is that the way you say it? That's a bingo. You just say bingo. Bingo. How fun. <laughs> He's very excited about this. Yeah. And Aldo's response is, you know where I'm from? And he says he's from uh, Maynardville, Tennessee, I think. And he says, I've done my share of bootlegging. Up there, if you engage in what the federal government calls illegal activity, but what we call just a man trying to make a living for his family selling a little moonshine liquor, it behooves oneself to keep his wits. Long story short, we hear a story too good to be true. It ain't. And Lana says, you're right, 99.99% of the time, you would be right. But in the pages of history, every once in a while, fate reaches out and extends its hands. Yeah. And there's a great reaction. And Londa asks, what shall the history books read? So do you remember Fred Meyer, the guy I told you about, yeah. who's the actual leader of this uh, Jewish mm -hmm. special forces group? He's in Innsbruck, Austria. He gets captured. He gets tortured. He gets beaten, whipped. All of his teeth are knocked out of his mouth. Jesus. He does And they want to find out who are the other people involved in this information ring. Where are the other Jewish commandos operating? He tells them nothing. Yeah. He stands up to all this torture that goes on and on. And finally, now this is near the end of the war, he sees, meets the mayor of Innsbruck. And Innsbruck's a fairly big city in mm -hmm. Austria. And he convinces the mayor of Innsbruck to surrender the town. The whole city is going to surrender to the allies and that he makes a deal which he is totally unauthorized to do. He has no power to make this deal at all. This is a guy who's tortured. He's got no teeth in his yeah. mouth. He's in jail. And he makes a deal with this guy and says, listen, if you get the whole town to surrender, you get each of the German officer installations shut down, you get the whole everything turned over in this way to the allies at this time, I will guarantee your safety. He has no, no authorization to, to make this deal. The guy accepts the deal. Innsbruck surrenders. No one is totally no bloodshed. It's a totally wow. bloodless surrender of this town in Austria near the end of the war. Mm -hmm. Yeah, isn't that amazing? That's incredible. Yeah, just it, from uh, being able to convince the guy. Just to convince. Wow. The guy. I mean, if it hadn't been, if the Germans hadn't really been losing the war at this point, right, Of course, right, you wouldn't right. be able to do it. Uh, but yeah, uh, hmm. pretty amazing. We're back with uh, the projection room and Shoshana, and she's watching the movie. And now we see actual clips from uh, Nation's Pride, and we see Freddy, and he's just killing a yeah. ton of dudes. This movie was made by Eli Roth. <laughs> he directed this film. Quentin Tarantino asked right. him to do it. Sounds and, about right. And you could watch the whole thing if you want. Really? Yeah, it's on the Blu-ray. Oh, really? Yeah. That's weird. Um, it is weird. We watch Frederick in the movie theater watching it, and he's having a reaction to it. Yeah. Um, he's uncomfortable with yep. it. Yep. Donnie gets up, walks down the row, up the aisle, out of the theater, upstairs to the box and sees the guards sitting around Hitler's box. He goes back down, goes to Omar <laughs> to get him to come out. And he falls down as he's trying mm -hmm. to come out. Uh, and they go out of the theater, Schoolsy. head upstairs. Schoolsy. Up in the projection room, Marcel says that it's time. And she goes, okay, you go down. You're going to lock the auditorium. And then there's a long look at each other. She's crying. They embrace, uh, and he's gone. Mm -hmm. And we see Marcel go downstairs. He has crowbars in his hands. 
He opens up a door to the theater as Frederick is carving a swastika into the ground, which is a real parallel to carving mm-hmm. a swastika in people's heads. Marcel locks the door. Shoshana puts on the final reel. The crowbar through the handle uh, of the door, right with the music stinging. It's really big, powerful music at this moment. Yeah. And Marcel goes up into the theater. He goes behind the screen. And right there behind the screen is a huge pile of that nitrate film. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the music is just killing it. Uh, back to Londa. Aldo has taken off his tie. He's been untied. And Londa is on the radio negotiating a, a hell of a deal. Sweetheart deal. Yeah. I want to receive the Congressional Medal of Honor for my invaluable assistance in the toppling of the Third Reich. Full citizenship for myself. Well, that goes without saying. And I would like the United States of America to purchase property for me on Nantucket Island as a reward for all the countless lives I've saved by bringing the tyranny of the National Socialist Party to a swifter-than-imagined end. Do you have all that, sir? And he wants it to say that he'd been spying for the OSS for a long time and that the only reason he committed some of the crimes that he's committed lately was just to keep up his cover. Right. And they ask him to hand the radio over to Lieutenant Rain. Yes, sir. Colonel Lander will put you and Private Yudovich in a truck as prisoners. Upon crossing our lines, Colonel Lander and his man will surrender to you. You will then take over driving of the truck. Is that clear, Lieutenant? Yes, sir. Um, did you know who the voice was? I didn't know who the Harvey voice Cartel, was. Harvey yeah, Cartel. Yeah. yeah, I didn't recognize it. I think it's interesting that he said over and out. Why? Because it's not what you say. Oh. You you either say over or you say out. You never say over and out. Mm. That's not the military. It's the first thing they teach us in basic training. I know you've seen these in the movies, probably. You've seen people mm-hmm. say over and out because I was in communication. Right. I was communications, MOS. And they were like, never, ever say over and out. You either say over or you say out. So, do, so question. Out is the end of the conversation completely. Over is you'll get back later. Uh, so I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that. Um, two possibilities here. One possibility is that Tarantino knew that yeah. and did it specifically for Brad Pitt, to, for something about his character. Yeah. Second possibility is Tarantino only knows what he knows about the military from <laughs> watching movies, yeah, and sure. he doesn't know that. Maybe he doesn't. Which do you think it is? Uh, of those two possibilities, um, I think probably the second one. I think so too. Yeah, I don't think he. Know. I, I mean, well, and this is what he said. Tarantino only watches movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, back at our movie theater, there's more snipers, and uh, and we see Frederick watching and Hitler laughing, and Goebbels loves this thing, and Frederick asks to go away. Yeah, and so he does. He sets heads outside. He goes up to the production room. Um, uh, it's time to now. Now this is actually I said final reel before this is actually the final reel she changes the final reel mm-hmm. uh we see marcel behind the screen lighting his cigarette this is beautifully constructed yeah parallel actions happening in different places frederick gets up to the production booth he knocks on the door she asks who it is he says frederick and she says merd yeah which for those non-french speakers <laughs> means shit uh and she opens the door and again he's doing this charming sort of jokey thing yeah. asks for his money back the movie stinks and she's, again, putting down the, no, what are you doing here? Came to visit. No, you can't be here. Uh, and he moves towards her and says he loves movies, he loves premieres, and normally he would be there. But this film about his exploits in war, uh, which consisted of killing a lot of men, he finds hard to watch, he says. Do you think he does find it hard to watch? I think he does. Yeah, I do, you too. Can see from his reaction I do too. to the movie. Uh, the, uh, I think this is also a lie, but whatever. Yes, I think that, well, I think they're both, I think it is true, it is hard to watch, mm-hmm. and I think he is 
That's why I think it's a lie, because he can't watch these people dying on screen. Mm. I think it's a lie. Oh, the whole thing. Yeah, I think the whole thing he said is a lie. Oh, the whole German, that whole thing is a lie. So he's not really a war hero? No. He's a, he's a, to me, he's a propaganda thing that they created, mm. and he's been living the high life of this propaganda thing. You know what would be really interesting? This is total. I'm not saying yeah. this is true in any way. So you remember the moment where he's talking back to Londa mm-hmm. and questioning him? He's like, hey, you're an enlisted man? Yeah. What if he is just an actor and he's an officer? It's certainly possible. Like, because he never behaves like an enlisted man. No, he doesn't. What if he is like a protege of Goebbels mm-hmm. and they've concocted this story and had him act in the movie and made him Private Zoller? That's yep. not who he's it's in. It's certainly possible. Yeah. It's absolutely possible. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he says he's just come up here to annoy her. Um, and then says, and from the look of your face, it would seem I have not lost my touch. Yeah. Um, and her response, I love her line back. Are you so used to Nazis kissing your ass that you've forgotten what no means? No. Yeah. Go away. And she tries to close the door, and this is the moment. Yeah, he busts through that door, knocks her down on the ground. It's really brutal, and he is suddenly really, really scary. Yeah. And she says, you hurt me, and he says, it's nice to know you can feel something. Right. This is the Me Too movement. This is Time's Up right here in a nutshell. How ironic that it is in a Tarantino film produced by Weinstein. This is a man who can't take no for an answer, taking advantage of a woman in a submissive position to get his own needs met and gets frustrated because she keeps saying no instead of saying yes. And And then has the audacity to say to her, oh, it's good you can actually feel something. I've been telling you no since the beginning. Yeah. You don't fucking get it. Now you want to get hurt? You think you have the high ground, the moral high ground here to say that to me after I've been rejecting you constantly over and over again? And I finally had to use a harsher way to reject you, and you still you still didn't get it. In fact, you got upset and thought you could get physical with me to get what you want. Insane. It's funny. I don't quite know how to put this the right way, but Tarantino does have strong female characters in his film. Yes, I mean, obviously, does. the sure. bride and Kill Bill being the the, the best example. Sure. But he also, and it's interesting that I was talking before about comparing him to Hitchcock, but he also puts his women through hell. Yes. And there's a weird, as we discussed with the choking and some of the Mm -hmm. other stuff, there's a weird sort of, what is your attitude towards women? Yeah. Like in the end, they might be heroic. Certainly Shoshana is a heroic character, no question about it. Um, And I think about like some of the stuff we said in Hitchcock, particularly in talking about Vertigo, Mm -hmm. which is like, what's up with you? That this is, even though Vertigo is clearly a movie where we're watching a man be abusive to this woman, but it also is a movie where there's some joy taken in abusing the woman, and I feel like we're in a similar... And the stalker thinks he has the high ground through the whole movie. Yeah. Mind-blowing. Right. Well, and so it's sort of like, um, I I don't know quite what to say Mm -hmm. about what this means exactly, that Quentin Tarantino is both creating a heroic character and also... I mean, what we see here in this scene is essentially a film geek who becomes a movie star but still can't get the girl. And so he uses force. And at the same time, the director, Quentin Tarantino, was a film geek who became a big-time director and then in his movies likes to basically torture his female actresses. Well, this is the conversation that starts to become more nuanced, right? Just because I'm yeah. creating these characters that I don't have an issue with women that I'm working right. out or something that I'm... yeah. Right. It's it, those are not mutually exclusive, right? Right. I well, have a black friend doesn't mean I can't be racist, right? Right. Which we saw play out in those congressional testimonies. It's like, well, no, no, you can still be racist and have multiple black friends. 
Well, and, it's irrelevant. It's not the same thing. And it goes to the, you know, people are complicated. That's yes. not simple. Yep. Like Hitchcock, what exactly we can say about what kind of a person Hitchcock really was or what his, the effect of his movies, or Woody Allen is another one. Right. Written the, some Absolutely of the greatest uh, female characters in the history of film. Yes unquestionably and also like well who is this guy right you know and maybe we don't get to feel entirely comfortable mm -hmm. with this stuff and tarantino's a guy who less and less i feel comfortable i agree uh, and that doesn't mean i don't entirely admire his skills as a mm -hmm. filmmaker mm -hmm. i really do um anyway so he's busted his way in and he says i'm a man you don't say go away to yeah 300 bodies in italy which makes me think that i think he did do that i don't know that's a good it's a good question. And after I what I've done to you disrespect me at your peril. Mm -hmm. And then what does she do? She tells him, lock the door. Lock the door. Which and, startles him. Oh yeah. Like oh, what? Oh, I am gonna get what I want. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um and like he's a just, little boy. Like, you want me to lock the door? She's like, Yeah, yeah. for the fifty seventh time, yeah. yes. And he does, and she grabs her purse, and as he turns to lock that door, she shoots him in the back. This I don't like, that she shoots him in the fucking back. I thought I think this is also bullshit, too, by Tarantino, having the female character shoot the potential rapist in the back. She should shoot him in the front as soon as he turns around. It's, it's fun. You know what's funny about this? I think this has been a, a really good conversation, mm -hmm. because it's so funny how where you and I draw the line... And these are obviously very complicated mm, issues. Mm -hmm. I don't care that she shoots him in the back. Oh, I yeah. do. I mean, to me, it's like, I mean, the, the yes, it's like. That's, that's symbolic of a coward. I, I totally understand why you say that. But yeah. to me, it's like, we have Hitler in the theater. Like, <laughs> like he is clearly a scary psychopath who right. is, was about to rape him or, or rape her. Rape, yeah. yeah. So I don't really care about the Marcus of Queensberry rules at this moment. But I totally understand why you do. Yeah, because if you care about whether they should be scalping or not scalping, it's the same ballpark. The Marcus of Queensberry still applies there if as I'm well. If I'm killing you anyway, and you're unarmed, yeah, I whether want or not to look you, you in the face, I, I understand that's respect. The, I understand the point. Yeah, it's well. This goes to why this is not simple stuff. I mean, yeah. this is like where you know when you when you get into the world of what is the necessary or what is acceptable mm -hmm. in war you know i'm gonna save you know let's say there's i can save a thousand lives by murdering these 10 innocent people right and, or torch murdering and torturing them like well what do i do well there isn't a good there's not a right answer right. for this that anyone's gonna feel good about yeah we're in a bad place yeah like i have you know the guy i love Lighting a cigarette surrounded by a whole bunch of super flammable film mm -hmm. with Hitler in the movie theater, and I'm a Jew, and the guy that killed my whole family is was just here, and a guy has walked in who's clearly gonna about to rape me. Like, yeah. what are the rules here? I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's a tough one. But she does shoot him in the back. But it's a film. Yes, it's a film. And then she immediately feels bad. She does. Yeah. What's that all about? Well, and the music choice is really yeah. weird. It's like a romantic, sad violin romantic, yeah. It's super Tragic. romantic music. Yeah. And she feels bad, and he kind of groans, and she looks sad and moves towards him. And, you know, I do understand, like, if I suddenly shot someone and they were dying, I would have emotions, too. Yeah. But I also am planning on killing 350 people in this movie who theater. Who are Nazis. Who are fellow Nazis to this guy. But also women and all sorts of people yeah. that, you know, and this is... Sympathizers, yeah. Yeah. And, and again, like the, the morality of, will I kill a bunch of innocent people to kill Hitler? Mm. Mm, maybe. Yeah. You know? 
I mean, because innocent, and this is, you know, goes back to your earlier point is that innocent people die in war. Yeah. You know, and w- exactly at what point do we say these are acceptable civilian casualties and what point do we not? It's, that's, a, that's a high pay grade to make those decisions. But she feels bad. She walks towards him. She stands over him. She kneels down. She touches his leg. She reaches out for his arm to, to, to turn him over. And as she does so, there's that gun and he shoots her. And we have a very long slow motion fall from her. This is my. This was my girlfriend's. She hates this part. She's. This is the one thing I hate about this movie. What does she hate about it? She hates that she gets killed. Mm. She hates that she gets killed because what she's done is fight off a rapist, and she still gets killed by the rapist. He right. still violates her in a way, and it's like fucked up. She said the symbolism of it, and I agree with her. I agree with. Her. I think it's bullshit that Shoshana dies. She should die. In the theater, as she wants, burning those. It's what she deserves. Here, here, here's what I wanted, um, because I feel somewhat the same way. Mm. What I wanted was her not to be dead. I'm okay with her getting shot, but okay. what I wanted was when the fire happens and she's laughing in the smoke. Mm-hmm. I wanted her to get up and pull herself up and look out at the window, and mm. smile. Yeah. So I wanted her to that. be able to. Because what bothers me. It's not that she dies that bothers me. I mean, obviously, I bother that she dies. But, like, heroically sacrificing your life to kill Hitler, I'm totally, like, that's okay. But she doesn't live long enough to see that she succeeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She doesn't doesn't get to... That's the tragedy of it, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. If she had died three minutes later, it it wouldn't bother me so much. For anybody yelling at their... Uh, car or her listening your little airpods in your your airpods or whatever we understand what tarantino's point is my and why he had her killed that way i don't understand his point i think it's the the whole film the dramatic purposes of her dying is to show a tragedy and that these nazis are terrible people and just reaffirms that it's tragic that she dies I get it, but I just didn't like the choice. And then we have this big, you know, this romantic music is swelling and the camera is pulling back in this top-down shot and it's a really long, again, long, Mm -hmm. dramatic death. And then there's this super, super hard cut. The music cuts out at a really weird moment and we're with Omar and Donnie who are making their plans and we kind of come in mid-conversation to him. It's very, very jarring. When I kill that guy, you got 30 feet to get to that guy. Can you do it? I have to. And there's like, we got to go do this right now. And they get like some water that they pour in a champagne mm-hmm. glass. And we have some kind of cool gun that mounts yeah. on like a thing going around the back of someone's hands. Like punching with yep. the gun. And, uh, and we got a, you know, kind of towel over the arm waiter thing. And Donnie goes in to the German guards and offers champagne. Yeah. Which is clearly not champagne in a glass of water. Punches the guy in their face. And then with a huge music cue, Omar comes down uh, with that gun hand thing and opens fire. I got to cover those 30 feet. He Tarantino totally knows how to shoot this kind of oh, stuff. Oh, hell yeah. It looks great. Mm-hmm. And Hitler is loving this movie. He is laughing and he turns to Goebbels. <laughs> this is such a funny little And one. says this movie is his finest moment. Yeah. And Goebbels cries. In that moment, Goebbels becomes a, a 10-year-old boy needing that affirmation from his yeah. dad yeah it is it is weird yeah it is a weird weird moment um and we're back to the projector room where the dead bodies are and we see uh and then we see frederick yelling in english on the movie screen who wants to send a message to germany why do you see speaking english i don't understand what's happening now i think he's uh it's 
uh, it's kind of th- uh, throwing thumbing his nose at the Americans and at the British by speaking in English so they can understand him as he says, who wants to send a message to Germany? It just seems to me like Tarantino wrote this because it works perfectly with what he wanted to have happen next. Oh, maybe. It, just, it's, it seems strange to me because it cuts to Shoshana in close-up saying, I have a message for Germany. That you are all going to die. And Hitler yells, stop it, stop, turn off the projector. And I want you to look deep into the face of the Jew who's going to do it. And there's an extreme close-up on her lips as she says, and Marcel, behind the movie screen, says, And he throws his cigarette in beautiful black background slow motion as it flies to the air, hits the film, and as fire raises up on the screen, we hear Shoshana laughing. And then the next moment, the bastards come through Hitler's box and open fire with their machine guns. Mm-hmm. And it is, we it is. We got to get the choke right, but this we can shoot. We can shoot dummies flying wide open from bullet yeah. wounds coming into them, but we got to get the choke right. Yeah, but it is really violent, and the expressions on Eli Roth's face and is there's a lot of madness. And I'm not saying. And they kill the the French girl Julia yep. Driver. They kill they her, wiping pretty, every. They're yeah, firing just into the crowd. Yep. Yeah. Um, and fires everywhere. By the way, it sounds like, from what I understand, yeah. certainly when i watched the scene i'm like that fire looks really scary yeah it sounds like it got out of hand like it got really scary oh really much much hotter than they had intended it to be it wasn't really a safe situation yeah why does he have to shoot why does he have to shoot like he's still a first generation or first time filmmaker it's driving anyway all right so anyway yeah it's funny i I totally get wanting to do things in a realistic way. Yeah. I definitely think that still to this day, real fire looks better than CG fire. Sure. Lots of times we see CG fire. Sure. I, I, there's an unpredictability and, and certainly having actors near the heat. It's like you get a lot out of it, but safety first, man. Yeah. Like that's the always. And as the fire is rising, we hear the laughter of Shoshana. Yeah. And then we see in the billowing smoke, the projection of her face billowing across the surface of the smoke as she laughs. That's cool. Hence the name of the chapter. Yeah. The giant face. Yeah. Laughing. That is, that, that is really nice filmmaking. And man, they just continue to fire. And then the clock hits and their dynamite goes off and the whole theater blows up. Yeah. So, John, I yeah. think this is one of the weirdest things in – I. we kill Hitler. Yeah. We, we have completely left behind any semblance of historical accuracy. And Quentin Tarantino goes, let's, let's have the Allies win by killing Hitler in this movie theater. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about this? It's a weird thing, twist, because the film is so serious. Yes. With uh, Landa all the way up to this point. We don't know that all these people are going to be in a theater and that Goebbels is going to be one of these people that's going to get killed or Hitler's going to get killed. Like Goring, Goering is there as well. We don't know that all these people are going to be in the theater when this, until it's presented to us. And then that's the moment where you have to decide how far along in the fantasy you want to go. Because everything else could, have, could be a story that might have happened, could be based on real life. Blah, blah, blah. And we've seen this in numerous World War II movies. It's this moment, this decision where you go, okay, so I'm either in or I'm out in this movie. And me personally, 
I, I hated that it kind of went this route because I'm like, ah, you took away what was a really good, serious exploration about uh, this whole, in a new take, a new perspective on this World War II type of film, and then you put it into fantasy land a little bit, and uh, I don't know. I, it just felt a little ridiculous at that point. It's weird. I mean, there are certain forms yeah. of uh, the way things are structured that we're used to, mm -hmm. and one of them is when you do a historical piece of fiction, that historical piece of fiction is supposed to, for the most part, fit into real history. Right. You know, so it's like, oh, we didn't know that this thing was actually going on behind the scenes, and of course it wasn't, but... You know, when, when Indiana Jones ends up at the Nuremberg right. rally and there's Hitler and he signs his book. Now, of course, that never happened, but it actually there really was a rally. Right. They really will, were burning books, you know, like the, these right. things are possible in terms of how historical fiction works. And this is breaking those rules. It's and, and, and there's a certain point where you're going, wow, I, so I guess they're going to escape and they're not going to blow up the thing. And then when they're machine gunning Hitler and Goebbels, you're like. Oh, yeah, it's weird. Also, the difference is uh, Indiana Jones getting his book signed does not alter the course of history. Nope. Him, them deciding to actively alter the course of history by killing uh, uh, Hitler and Goebbels and Goring and Goering, uh, to me, that's where the film is just like it, it, it doesn't make it a part of historical fiction that is cute and could have happened. It makes it actively changing. Well, and it becomes, I think this is the word you used a whole bunch, yeah. is a fantasy. Yeah. Is that, and it's not a fantasy in the sense that we're going to have magic and dragons and elves and hobbits. <laughs> no. It's a fantasy in that let's fantasize about killing Hitler. Yeah. And it's a revenge fantasy, which obviously this is Quentin Tar Tarantino's you know, area for yeah. a lot of his movies. And this is where, I think this is really where I break off from this film. And I've been thinking about this a lot, which is that, and again, it goes back to in a, this weird way of what does it mean to me to be Jewish? And I know it, for people who've been listening to the podcast for a long time, that some people are probably going, well, Steve's an atheist. He says he doesn't mm -hmm. believe in God. What is the big deal? How is he Jewish? And this is this really interesting thing about Judaism in particular is that there are all sorts of people who I know who don't actually believe in God, but are still consider themselves Jewish and that there's cultural reasons and ideas about education and about compassion and about community and about history that makes us Jewish. And one of them for me is a sense of justice. And there's a difference between justice and vengeance. And I was thinking about, do you remember the, when there was the horrible shooting at the synagogue? Yeah, recently. Yeah. And there was the doctor who ended up treating the shooter. Did you see this? No, no. Oh, uh, maybe I'll even, I'll, I'll post it on the Facebook page. Okay. The doctor that treated the shooter mm -hmm. in the hospital was a member of that synagogue. Wow. And he, they interview him and what he says, and he knew the people that mm -hmm. were killed. Mm -hmm. And what he says is, my job as a doctor is to give the same care, the same compassion, the same healing to anyone that walks. It doesn't matter. When he comes into my hospital, he is my patient. And I will take care of him with exactly the same level of compassion and care that I would any other patient. Mm. And uh, watching this thing, I was weeping. Because this, to me, is what it means to be Jewish. Right. Like, this is what, what Jewish values are. And vengeance is not part of Jewish values for me. Right. You know, like now, and, and of course, I'm not trying to speak for all Jews no. and how people interpret their own religion is different. Right. Munich, Munich counters what you're talking about, the movie Munich, because they went on a vengeance to kill these uh, people who had. So two, yeah. so, so two things about that. But as we said, 
that is that movie is questioning that whole idea. Right. The whole point of that movie exactly, is, yes. is to go, wait, is this right? Right. Is this right to go to this far and cut these corners to do these kinds of things? Well, and the other thing is that throughout this movie, that movie was specifically, here are the guys that did this terrible thing. Yeah. And we're going to go kill them. Right. And I, I don't have a problem with wanting to kill Hitler. He's the person who did the most yeah. terrible things, among the most terrible things in the history of the world. Right. But- those soldiers, that sergeant, the all the other people that are in that movie theater, we don't know what they did, right? You know, and so going to me and 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 the idea of justice, justice isn't determined by how well you treat your friends. Mm. Justice is determined by how well you treat your enemies. Yeah, someone comes into my courtroom and I treat them the same. That shooter comes into the doctor and he treats him the same. Mm-hmm. And so, like the idea, of, and and of course, what the film says is we have. Uh, Shoshana's projected face saying, this is the face of Jewish vengeance. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that. Oh. That is what I don't... Okay. Like, I don't... Because morally, my Jewishness says, you know, vengeance is, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Right. We're not supposed to be vengeful. Interesting. We're supposed to be just. Interesting. Do you think it's because it's handled by a Gentile? It's directed by a Gentile, therefore, like, it's covered in that way? I was thinking about this, and again, and I don't I, know if the actress is Jewish either. I don't, I don't know. French actress is Jewish. I, I was thinking about this, uh, and again, I, I, I'm not trying to speak for all Jews, sure, sure, but, but it is strange to me. That it's almost like, I mean, because it's very similar to Django in the sense yeah. of, I'm going to take the oppressed person, vindication for the slavery, yes, right, yes. and I'm going to let them have the vengeance that they never right. got to have, right, 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 and it's, and for me, I go, I don't want that. Don't yeah. give me that. You know, the, the, it is yeah. weird that it's a Gentile yeah, and that's, doing it. Yeah, and that's interesting, Steve, because that's my perspective as a non-Jewish person is vengeance is vengeance. And I get it and I understand it. And I could understand Jewish people wanting to kill Hitler to save totally. their people from being, you know, part of the Holocaust or being, you know, having those things to happen to them. I could see that angle and why. But uh, I absolutely respect and understand your position and your feeling about it. Um, even more so because it is the more um, humanitarian approach to the world than the vengeance approach to the world, you know. And I guess that's why the film still works as a it is a revenge fantasy. It is a revenge fantasy, right? And I tried to I was like historical drama. Like I was discussing this at Collider when I was doing the tweet for part one, shooting the tweet out for part one. I was like, is this a historical drama? World War II fantasy, and people pushed back on the idea of fantasy. And I said, well, they killed Hitler and, and, and Goebbels. That's a fantasy. Right. And like, yeah, but it's not in the technical term of fantasy. So what would you, it's not a spoof, it's not parody, but well, it's, it's a historical, it's a fantastical historical drama. And I think that's what I settled on. So I think uh, this is where we need to have some sophistication that words can have multiple meanings. Yeah, true. You know, in the classic sense, a fantasy is... Um, meant to describe a certain genre of yep. stories, right? And those genre of stories include magic and, yeah. you know, wizards. But, and, but, yeah. but you know, so that's one definition. The classical right. genre definition of fantasy: this is not a fantasy. Right. It's not a hero's journey. We're not on a quest. There's not legends. There's not destiny. There's not all the elements that make a fantasy. Mm-hmm. There's no magic. But the meaning of the word fantasy is I imagine something yeah. that I would like to do that isn't real. Exactly. This is a fantasy. Yeah. And, you know, we go back to the original question that you sparked this whole conversation from. How do you feel about them killing Hitler? And in that moment, uh, what it stops being Kelly's heroes or the Dirty right. Dozen and it becomes something else. And 
it's almost, and this is really odd for me to say this, but I almost feel um, ugly watching how disgustingly they kill Hitler. I do too. The multiple Eli bullets. Roth's face, right? And and the, the joy, the joy that the, he the, feels, the maniacal, joy. the maniacal joy. Yes, yeah. that to me makes me uncomfortable every time. And seeing that dummy explode with yeah. bullets and everything, I'm like. This is overkill. This is not. This is no longer uh, vengeance. This is something darker and deeper and uglier uh, than it should be, and it bothers. And especially because they kill Julia Julie Dreyfus so terribly uh, as just a French sympathizer. She's a French sympathizer. Yes, well, maybe you should kill her, but to absolutely riddle her with bullets—that to me is ugly as well. So, well, I, the, I the comparison to me is another movie that you just brought up that we yeah. talked about on the Cinephiles over a year ago, which is The Dirty Dozen. Oh yeah, yeah. which is that in the end of The Dirty Dozen, they're pouring gasoline right. down on these people that are trapped in this, you know, yeah. in the cellar, and you feel bad. Yeah, like you have this weird moment. You've been with these guys. Yeah, we're gonna go kill these people, and then you see these women and and officers, and you go, oh, I don't yeah. like this. Yeah. And then our dozen. They they get wiped out like it's a, it's a complicated like you don't just go yay killing killing Nazis you right. go oh war sucks you right. know <laughs> okay um, we're off uh, on a road in the woods Londa is playing with the big knife which I think is Aldo's big knife mm-hmm. and we stop get out of the car let out Aldo and Udovich and say I'm officially surrendering myself over to you Lieutenant Rain. Were you prisoners? And he has a big, I would describe as a shit-eating grin yep. on his face. Thinks he's won. Um, Aldo gets the gun, and he asks for his big knife. And Thank you very much, Colonel. You the bitch cuffed Colonel's hands behind his back. Oh, is that really necessary? I'm a slave to appearances. I'm a stickler for details, Colonel. Yeah, and then what happens next? Udovich shoots the other German, whose name is Herman, I believe. Scalp Herman. Where are you mad? What have you done? I made a deal with you, General, for that man's life! All of a sudden, Landa's cares about yeah. principles and Oh, yeah. And... Yeah, they made that deal, but they don't give a fuck about him. They need you. Which I don't think they need him. Not anymore. Why Why do they need Landa? Just killed them all. They got, Hitler got yeah. killed. We don't care about Landa. You'll be shot for this? Nah, I don't think so. More like chewed out. I've been chewed out before. Then he starts talking about the deal. I'll make that deal. How about you, Udovich? You make that deal? And then we cut down to Udovich, who's in the process of scalping <laughs> yeah. the guy. I'd make that deal. I don't blame you. Damn good deal. One of the things I miss with this movie, because it's two-thirds subtitles, is just that rhythm of Tarantino language in yeah, English. Because yeah. when, when you hear Tarantino language, it's just really, really good. Agreed. Well, if you're willing to barbecue the whole high command, I suppose that's worth certain considerations. But I do have one question. When you get to your little place on Nantucket Island, I imagine you won't take off that handsome-looking SS uniform of yours. Ain't you? And the look from Londa is great. Yeah. Because he's interrogated all these guys exactly. that have survived. He knows the speech that he gives them. Yep, he knows. And there's the look, and he says, That's what I thought. Now that I can't abide. How about you, Udovich? Can you abide it? And Udovich, still working on that scalp, says, <laughs> not one damn bit, sir. I mean, if I had my way, you'd wear that goddamn uniform for the rest of your peckers sucking alive. 
I'm aware it ain't practical. I mean, at some point, you gotta have to take it off. So, I'm gonna give you a little something you can't take off. And he pulls out that knife, and he uses it to push up Londa's hat. Mm-hmm. And then we have a nasty close-up Beautiful. of that knife going through that skin. It is really gross. And great squeals by yep. Amanda about what's happening. What's great about this uh, scene also is the way the hat is placed on his head, it makes him look like a child. Yeah. He is in the submissive position for the first time ever in this entire yep. movie. Yep. And so when he uh, has that moment where he's squealing and crying, you see his legs all kicking around, it mirrors what we saw, the angle of when he's choking um, Bridget mm-hmm. uh, or, da- or Von uh, Hammersmith. When he's choking her, we see her legs from the angle from the ground kicking out as well. Seeing his legs kick out as he's getting carved in, it's a way of like kind of calling back to that as well, in my opinion. Yeah. Strangely, I thoroughly enjoy the swastika being carved into Landa's head at the end. Thoroughly enjoy that. I have no, well, because this is, he's a fictitious character exactly. in our movie. And, you know, I, I, and who's done terrible things with no remorse. Yeah. I have no problem. That is justice yeah. to me. You know what I mean? Like, me and I, I would have no problem if they just shot him in the head. Right. Because that's, that is totally within the character that's established within the story. Mm-hmm. This guy is a complete psychopath, evil scumbag. Yeah. I don't, you know, that's yeah. fine. Right. And every, it's, he's getting paid back to a degree for what he's done. But more should have happened to him here. Yep. It um and, and we end up with mm-hmm. that same low angle looking up shot. Yeah. And Aldo says, you know something, you bitch? I think this just might be my masterpiece. And there's a big smile. And that is the end of the Inglorious Bastards. Do you think Tarantino threw that line in and talk about himself? This might be my masterpiece. Oh. He said it about a script. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's a I, good point. That's why I reference it. So uh, the movie was a rush in post-production uh, because they wanted to premiere at Cannes, yeah. which they did. It sounds like it had a really weird reaction at mm-hmm. Cannes. And it seems like this movie's pretty divisive regardless, is that some people liked it. Christoph Waltz won the award for Best Actor at Cannes. Yeah. The movie was booed <laughs> by some people. Uh, and part of it is you have an international, you know, you have a German, French, Italian right. audience there, and people have complicated feelings about this stuff. Yeah. Um, and Tarantino does what he rarely has done, which is he did some re-editing before it was released in the U.S. Oh. This was a huge hit. It was Tarantino's biggest money-making movie ever until Django. It made $320 million, I think. Okay. $321 million in box office. Django did beat it later. Got a bunch of uh, Oscar nominations, mm-hmm. including uh, obviously supporting actor for Waltz, which he won, mm-hmm. but also nominated for, for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, a couple of the technical awards. Uh, the competition, by the way, that year was uh, for Best Picture was Avatar, The Blind Side, District 9, Education, Precious, A Serious Man, and Up in the Air. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, and uh, uh, The Hurt Locker. And The Hurt Locker. Yeah, which is. So, and Hurt Locker is what won. Yeah. Um, so interesting year of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that I go back and revisit any of those often. No. What are, say them again. It's uh, Avatar, Hurt Locker, yeah. Blindside, yeah. District 9, yeah. and Education, Precious, yeah. A Serious Man, and Up in the Air. Yeah, maybe District 9, maybe. It's an interesting. I remember really liking Up in the Air, but I haven't seen it since. Oh, I love Up in the Air, but yeah. it's also a very depressing movie to watch. Yeah. So, yeah. A Serious Man is a beautifully crafted Coen Brothers movie that mm-hmm. I don't particularly like. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, 
Also a very Jewish movie. Yes, I was going to say. It's very a very Jewish. Jewish movie. Um, but it's like, it's sort of a weird, you know, it, it, there's those certain Coen Brothers movies mm-hmm. where you kind of go like, okay, I understand that really talented people made this movie. Yeah. I don't, not really very interested in that movie. Um, yeah, it's a weird year. Um, Precious is obviously an interesting movie, but not one I choose to visit. Mm-hmm. Blindside, I don't think holds up. It's a lifetime much. movie. Yeah. Um, and Avatar... It's not my favorite film. I mean, me either, man. Of the Cameron uh, resume, it's not one I come back to over and over again. Yeah. Again, an Avatar is one where you can see the brilliance and craftsmanship of the people making that movie. Um, um, uh, So, back to Fred Meyer. Yes. He had been tortured, negotiated the surrender of Innsbruck. The war has ended. The Nazis who had occupied Innsbruck are all captured. Mm Mm-hmm. And he goes to visit the man who tortured him in jail. Wow. And the man who tortured him gets on his hands and knees and he says, do whatever you want to do to me. I know. I know what I did to you. If you need what anything you need to do to me, you do. Please don't hurt my wife and family. Wow. And you know what Fred Meyer said? He says, what do you think we are, Nazis? And he Hmm. walks out. That's what Jewish justice means to me. Okay. You know, like that's like, I guess that's part of why that, and and there are a lot of, I'm not, there's not just one way to be a a Jewish person, Mm -hmm. you know, and certainly there's a lot of strong militant feelings among Mm -hmm. Jews in various circumstances. Mm -hmm. But what do you think we are Nazis? To me, that's the whole fucking point, Mm -hmm. you know, is that the whole point is that barbarians try to kill us. I will not act like a barbarian against them. Mm-hmm. That's my feeling. Okay. Um, I think that's part of, I think that's why I struggle with this movie is I didn't, when I first kind of had struggles with it, I didn't go, Oh, it's my Jewishness that is making mm-hmm. me have struggles with it. And there are filmic reasons in terms of tone that I go, I don't quite understand it, but maybe in the end it is my Jewishness that makes me have struggles with it. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, it's understandable. Uh, and critically, uh, Inglorious Bastards, it's you know very much kind of what we talked about. It ha- it has a very mixed reaction. I want to read you two quotes that I just thought were, you know, brutal but interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, one quote: uh, This is uh, Daniel Med- Mendelssohn, and this relates to sort of how I was feeling. Inglorious ba- in Inglorious Bastards, Tarantino indulges his taste for vengeful violence by well turning Jews into Nazis. Hmm. Um, interesting very much kind of my feeling and then the other one quote that was (laughs) i feel i feel bad because this is the first time on the cinephiles where i've been really negative about a film i hope i haven't been entirely negative about it okay there's lots that i admire about it this quote's from christopher hitchens um oh uh, the late great the late great christopher he said he likened the experience of watching the film to sitting in the dark and having a great pot of warm piss emptied very slowly over your head (laughs) so it is a controversial film I don't feel quite like that. I'm sort of in the middle. I can admire the brilliance of the craftsmanship, the brilliance of the dialogue, lots of the performances, yeah. but I don't actually like the movie. Okay. And maybe that's my final thoughts, I yeah. guess. It sounded like these were your final thoughts, yeah. yeah. How about you? Um, I, it's a film that's still enjoyable to watch for the dialogue-heavy scenes. For the, As an actor, I'm watching it as an yeah. actor, enjoying the writing the pacing uh, of those scenes and the back and forth that occurs within the act. So as an actor, when you watch this, it's an incredible film to watch. And same thing with a majority of Tarantino's movies. His scenes are full of some incredible dialogue and great back and forth between the actors and uh, uh, builds within scenes that lead to something. And so much fun to watch in that way. 
Um, is it one I'll run back to over and over again? No, because it is a fantasy. It's a fantasy. And to me, in the end, I don't want to see a World War II fantasy about killing Hitler. But it's very much in the vein of the 70s you know, type vibe of grindhousing type movies. So I get the impetus of this. But it's extremely well-acted film. Yes. And overall, the effect of the film is there, whether positive or negative. He leaves you with a feeling. Oh, and sure. that's usually the point of making any film is to leave the audience with a feeling. So I get people who defend it, and the, obviously 36% of our fans yep. were 1,000% behind London. I hope we didn't like crap on it too much so you not enjoy it. I think there's a lot to enjoy in the film uh, in terms of the direction and the music and the pacing of the movie. But overall, uh, it's not one that I run back to and see over and over again of the Quentin Tarantino list of films. Sure. So thank you, all of you who have supported us. Thank you for uh, responding to our survey and choosing Inglorious Bastards. I hope we did it justice. I know it was maybe slightly different from some of our other reviews. <laughs> um, and as always, uh, you can visit us on our Facebook page to search for The Cinephiles. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube and a whole bunch of other places. We love those reviews on iTunes. They're really helpful. Comments on YouTube are a lot of fun. Um, if you want to support us on Patreon and you're picking your own movie, you can go to patreon.com slash The Cinephiles. And if you want to reach me, you can do it on Twitter at SR Morris, on Instagram at SR Morris One. John, where, the, where can they reach you? You can always reach me at the Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram uh, there. And uh, over there, a collider also I do there. And the top 10. Thanks to everybody who came out. If you listen to us, uh, if you came out to see us in London, thank you so much. And if you want to come see us in Chicago, go to reggieslive.com, April 11th, two shows, 6 30 and 9 30 p.m. Go get your tickets. They are going fast. Oh, it, I have a new thing to plug. What's that? Well, it's, it's kind of an odd one. It's not a film one or okay. anything. But as you know, uh, I've taught martial arts for a long time. Yeah. I had stopped teaching Aikido for a couple of years. I have now started teaching Aikido again. So if you're in the Los Angeles area nice. and you would like to come to one of my classes, I teach at the Aikido Institute of America on Colorado Boulevard in Eagle Rock. I teach Thursday nights and sometimes some other nights. There's classes every day of the week. So you could go just search for Aikido Institute of America online and nice. come take a class in Aikido. Boom. Yeah. All right. So I think that is it for this week. We will see you next time on The Cinephiles. <laughs>